Welcome to another edition of The Realist Report. This is your host, John Friend. Today is Saturday, November 4th, 2023. Of course, the website is therealistreport.com, where you will find an extensive archive of these podcasts, as well as other programs I participate in. You will also find all of my blog posts and articles, my Twitter feed, which is embedded in the right-hand sidebar of the website, a contact page, and many other useful and important links. I am on Twitter and Gab at Realist Report, and you can also find me on Telegram at t.me forward slash The Realist Report. I am a regular reporter for American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, and I also contribute to and help edit the Barnes Review, a bi-monthly revisionist history magazine. Please do subscribe to these fine print publications if you are not already. Check out AmericanFreePress.net and BarnesReview.org for all the details. All right, today I'm joined by Monica Schaefer and Kathleen Dudley. All right, Monica Schaefer, welcome to the program. How are you today? I am doing very well, thank you. Good day to you, John. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me once again. It's been a while. I think the last time you were on was in February of this year, although we've I know we've talked a couple times just privately since then. So it's good to catch up with you. And we also are joined by Kathleen Dudley. Kathleen, welcome to the program. How are you today? Well, thank you, John. I'm doing very well. And it's always, uh, it's it's quite a pleasure and and delight to be able to be on this with you and and along with Monica. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I mean, we did a podcast in October, so about a, a month or month or so ago. And that I, I got a lot of positive feedback from that interview that we did. That was a really interesting conversation. And I know you two have done your own podcast together um, a few times, I think, actually. And you've talked about a variety of issues, which uh, you know we're going to get into here as we proceed. I will have links, of course, over to Monica's website, freespeechmonica.com. And then, Kathleen, I will also have links over to your BitChute and your Odyssey channel. I can't remember, was it really BitChute was the main one that you kind of keep up with? Uh, yes, also YouTube, but they keep um, uh, calling me out for hate speech, so they keep taking them down, but that one actually has the most on it. I seem to have lost you both. Are you oh, I'm there? Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. That was actually my fault. Um, no, I was just going to say, I think the last, when I, um, last time I did the podcast with Kathleen, um, I did not have your YouTube channel linked, but I can do that when I post this podcast. And I was just mentioning um, that that doesn't surprise me that you're being <laughs> censored for hate speech or whatever on YouTube. That's a, a very common occurrence these days, it seems like, especially when you start talking about some of these controversial topics that we'll be getting into. Um, so, yeah, thank you both very much for joining me. Um, there's a lot that we could talk about. First off, just to kind of get started, Monica, I mean, it, as I mentioned, I think the last time you were on was like in February of this year. Um, since then, a lot has happened. Um, Alfred is actually incarcerated once again. I was wondering if you could provide just a brief update on his situation. And also, um, have there been any developments with, I know you had a, a nice little surprise visit by the, what was it, like the British Columbia hate crimes unit or something of that nature. Do you want to just give us a a brief little update on both of those situations? Okay, I will do that. So Alfred has a new jail sentence, that, and he is in jail currently. They picked him up from his home August 23rd, and um, 
so he's a third of the way through that, just over a third of the way through that. Now, the last I heard, he had a prison job, so he's really doing quite all right. And also after that four-year stint, this one seemed like a piece of cake, and especially because so much of that other sentence, that four-year time was spent in solitary confinement because of all those mask mandates at the time, which he resisted. And now he's been doing a prison job outside, picking weeds, this kind of thing, which means, you know, five days of the week, he's out of his cell and out in the fresh air and also working alongside other prisoners, which you can imagine is a whole lot different uh, you know, set of circumstances than if you're in solitary confinement. Anyway, so it, it does mean he has le less time for that other job he had, which was writing letters, <laughs> which he was very busy with in, in his other jail stint. But anyway, this is good. Um, one week after he was picked up, yeah, the timing, I don't know if that's coincidental or not, but the hate crimes unit of the RCMP that's the Royal Canadian Canadian Mounted Police. They came and paid me a visit. Um, that meant that the you know the Canadian taxpayers paid for two men to spend two days because it's a whole day traveling to get here. So one day here, one day back, just to have a little conversation with this big hater here. <laughs> right. And it was yeah. And I'll just draw your attention to. What it was for, because then you could also link the website in uh, in the notes, John, and that was because there was an anonymous complaint, of course anonymous, for contents on the Truth and Justice for Germans website. So that is just all one word, truthandjusticefordgermans.com. And I would encourage people to go visit that site and look for the hate there you might find a whole lot of facts which i guess in our parlance we could call hate facts so back to you yeah i'll have the i'll have the website link that's uh, as you mentioned truthandjusticefordgermans.com and then one other clarification question the royal canadian mounted police that would basically be the equivalent of like the fbi in the united I, states i think so i think that's what people have they have made that comparison. Right. So this yeah. is like one of the leading, um, like like the top, like law enforcement um, intelligence agency, basically within Canada. And it, that's investigating well, it's you. Yeah, right, it's, right. It's, it's federal. It's not. Right. Maybe yeah. Kathleen has something to add because Kathleen is Canadian uh, originally. So maybe you have something to add about that. Well, my my um, father's. Um, sister was married to an RCMP. So I grew up going into their jails and, and standing behind bars and seeing what that was like and, and uh, hearing stories from uh, a, a true uh, RCMP guy. And um, I can tell you that they, you know, they, they, they weren't um, communist driven at that moment in time uh, individually. From the top, yes, but not individually. So they too were programmed and, and, and unaware uh, of of what um, of what was coming down and what was intended. 
Yeah, interesting. And Monica, I know you had written about um, your encounter with these officers on your website, and then we also covered it in a recent edition of the Barnes Review, um, where I asked you some questions and I had some good quotes from you. And we also talk about we also talked about Alfred's situation, his his you know his, his jail sentence uh, that's ongoing right now, as you mentioned. So I'd encourage people to check that out. Again, like I said, I'll have links over to it. I just got a comment though. I find it very revealing that they would spend all this time and money and resources to send agents out to simply ask you some questions about a website that deals with historical topics. I mean, it really kind of shows you the priorities of not only the Canadian government, but also pretty much all Western governments, where it appears their their number one motivating factor is is protecting the fake Holocaust story and protecting and advancing Jewish interests, frankly which is a topic we'll, we'll get into here as we proceed. But I found that very revealing that they would spend all this time and money and effort to come out and visit you and ask you, ask you some basic questions, it sounds like. Yeah, very well put, John. You, you summarized it just so well there. You know, protecting Jewish interests, this minority ruling class that, that yeah, that's it. Right. Well, and Kathleen, I was curious if you had any updates. I know um, the last time you were on, we talked about we talked about all sorts of subjects, actually. But um, one of the main focuses was, well, at least towards the end of the podcast, was your ongoing um, legal cases. And I was wondering if there were any updates, or are you still kind of, are we still in the same same position as you were last time, or, or have there been any updates? Well, interestingly, and and if I could just make a a, a quick comment too about. Um, Monica's situation with the RCMP, I'd like to add that uh, you know, I, I don't think there is anything um, coincidental these days. And retired um, uh, um, defense minister Dennis Healy uh, has been quoted and, um, in stating that any political event or any uh, geological event, any uh, social event that occurs is is done for a purpose and a, and a reason. So I think the timing of what was going on with um, Alfred's incarceration and then them showing up on your doorstep, Monica, is, is, is a very clear intention of intimidation. And from everything that I have read in my own experience in the courts, uh, these these parasites use intimidation and um, and fear mongering uh, tactics uh, as their main goal uh, to uh, put people into compliance. So um, that that's my comment on that. But regarding an update, um, interestingly, it's uh, it was September 12th of this year that in the hearing the attorney demanded from the judge that I be put in prison uh, for not complying with her unlawful order. Um, and the judge agreed that there would be a hearing uh, where I would have the opportunity to present my reasons for not complying. And then for the most part, I would be put in prison. And I have not heard from the courts. So every day I look to see if there is another, if there's an email stating that, you know, there'll be a hearing. And that's, you know, that's, um, 
a month and a half. So I think that this is, again, just an action of intimidation, intention to create as much fear as possible, and to uh, try and break the back of, uh, of yet another, uh, another human being through their you know, madness of, of control and communist uh, far reaches. Wow, interesting. Well, d definitely hang in there and stay strong. I mean, yeah, that that certainly seems to be the case. And it seems like, you know, the more people I talk to that are, that have, you know, pending litigation or pending, um, you know, legal issues in the court, it, it seems like it just always takes forever to get any sort of answers. A lot of times it's very vague, especially when you're like a dissident, like in our case, you know? Well, it's... With, if you combine both cases, it's a, I'm into my fifth year of, um, of their harassments and their attacks. And um, so, yes, one must stand strongly and, and uh, resist uh, the intimidations, even though sometimes it gets a little bit heavy. And, uh, you know, but, but they're not going to prevail. John, you're muted. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I was just saying. Um, well, I tip my hat to you, and that's you know, it's it's very courageous what you're doing, and um, you know, I think I think it's a, a very bold thing for you to do, and I, like I said, I tip my hat to you. So, anyways, um, there's a lot of topics that we could get into today. I mean, um, we had kind of planned this podcast a few weeks ago, and of course, um, this whole situation sort of unfolded over in Palestine. Uh, this alleged surprise Hamas attack on Israel, and then of course the you know the Israeli response, which is you know very typical. It's what they do. They basically go in and, and bomb all of Gaza, target innocent civilians, and basically wreck the place. And it looks like they're trying to use this Hamas incursion to basically finish their genocidal campaign, at least in the Gaza Strip. Um, and you know I've seen some pretty horrific videos coming out on social media. And of course, it's pretty much all you hear about in mainstream news. Um, I don't know if either of you have any comments on the October 7th incursion by Gaza into Israel. I have a lot of questions about it. I'm not sure exactly how it all went down. There's been a lot of um, incredibly dubious and frankly ludicrous atrocity tales that have been mm -hmm. told by... Um, you know, is, is Israeli pundits and, and politicians and some of these, um, it's almost like the whole white hat situation. Like if you remember in Syria, like these, these white hat, like activist type gr um, groups that were there, like allegedly responding to like humanitarian concerns, but they were in fact like create, like staging and creating like these fake atrocity stories. It seems to be that is exactly what's going on in Israel as well. Um, I, I have a couple articles that we could talk about relating to that. So I guess overall, I'm very skeptical of the official narrative of this alleged Hamas incursion. I've heard people argue it was a false flag attack or that it was, um, you know, it, like Israel knew about it in advance and wanted it, you know, like allowed it to happen in order to to sort of justify this this bombing campaign of Gaza and, you know, potentially drawing America in, you know, into the conflict, which is really what they, they've been trying to do for, for a very long time. Um, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but I am skeptical of a lot of the stories coming out, and, and clearly Israel is trying to use this this crisis to their advantage to target the Palestinians and, and basically ethnically cleanse them, genocide them off of the land uh, 
of Palestine. I don't even like referring to it as Israel, honestly. So um, I don't know, before we kind of jump into some yeah. of these stories, do you guys have, maybe Monica, I don't know if you have any sure. like just general assessment. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. I feel the same. I don't, I'm, I'm very skeptical of, of just not even just the mainstream version, but there's also a lot in the alt media that I find is kind of hard to um, believe because some of the videos, they seem to show crisis acting. But overall, this seems like, yeah, one giant uh, false flag, the beginning of it anyway, this Hamas story. I mean, even even the Communist Broadcast Corporation, that's the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, had a story about how Hamas was basically propped up by Israel for decades now. Like, you know, if not created, certainly funded. And so this would be, you know, their own organization, but put in place to counter the power of who was it? Was it Arafat? I don't know. Anyway, but the, it, yeah, the, the, the PLO, the Palestinian, Palestinian Liberation yes. Organization. Yeah. Fatah, I think, was like the political movement. Right. Yeah. But anyway, so I just wanted to say, OK, so there's all these stories about babies and whatnot. As soon as you hear the word babies and babies in ovens, like one of those articles you sent it literally talked about, oh, I saw the baby who had been burnt in the oven. Come on. That's, oh, it's, yeah, it's that's, absurd. It's yeah. Sounds it's a ridiculous. little bit like Holocaust. But I did some really quick math in one of those articles, and I find it just incredible. It was the one that talked about that Austria is upping their payments, Holocaust payments, uh, for the first time since 20 years, that they're upping their payments once again for Holocaust survivors. And then they had some numbers there. So there were 192,000 uh, Jews in Austria in uh, uh, altogether before. Then 135,000 of them had, had left Austria by 1939. Um, 57,000 remained in 1939. I did that basic math. And yet in the same article, they said that 65,000 Austrian Jews were murdered in the Holocaust. That, that's more than what remained in 1939. So how does that work and then uh austria is upping their holocaust money being paid out to now worldwide about 2500 holocaust survivors i take it that would be just holocaust survivors in general and their descendants so this okay then the other article i just wanted to point that out the math does not add up there they might be pulling numbers from different things like okay are these austrian jews or not austrian jews whatever it's just that the math does not add up but then in the jewish telegraph agency that article, they talked, there was a fellow who said the October 7th massacre, so now we're talking about this current thing going on in Palestine, and I like what you say, John, about calling it Palestine. So the current, uh, the, the October 7th massacres delivered new momentum to the effort to deliver restitution to the descendants of Holocaust survivors and victims where, whose property was stolen. There, there it is, folks. There it is. So they it's, tie this, yeah, together with the Holocaust. One, one big scam. Yeah, and I mean, they were saying that immediately after this alleged Hamas, you know, surprise attack, they were comparing it to 9/11. 
how it was Israel's 9-11 and everything would be different after this attack. So that, that, I mean, just that rhetoric alone raised a lot of questions in my mind. I mean, we all know how monumental of, of an event 9-11 was and how it really did change a lot of things. It certainly changed U.S. foreign policy. It changed U.S. domestic policy to a large extent. I mean, we created the Department of Homeland Security, which was like straight out of like an Israeli playbook, <laughs> you know, I mean, in, including like all of the, the policies and, and like these like the, the naked body scanners and everything. I mean, it was like one big Jewish scam, basically, the whole um, uh, Department of Homeland Security idea. But in this, again, the, the parallels are there. And of course, the atrocity propaganda is all very similar to the rhetoric we heard about the Holocaust. It's all very ridiculous. And it's all based on eyewitness testimony. Again, just like the Holocaust stories. None of this is verified. None of this is, you know, I, I mean, substantiated in any degree. There, there's another story that we can get into. Um, by the way, the, the two stories that, that um, you were referring to, both of them came directly from the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, which is probably my number one news source at this point, because the, the articles that you find there are just so revealing. And, of course, they're designed for a Jewish audience, obviously. It's the Jewish Telegraphic Agency. But, I mean, some of the things that you read there are just simply astonishing. And the one in particular that you mentioned, the headline is, and this was just written and just published um, on November 2nd, so just yesterday, top U.S. Holocaust officials, October 7th massacre creates new momentum for restitution, you know, as, as you sort of mentioned. And um, one of the leading um, people involved in this story is a man named Stuart Eisenstadt. He's the State Department's special advisor on Holocaust issues. So the State Department of the United States has a special advisor on Holocaust issues. Now, this same man, the Stuart Eisenstadt, is also a special negotiator with the Claims Conference, which is this like international Jewish like extortion racket that's, you know, extorted literally like billions of dollars from Germany and other European governments. He's also very much involved with the State Department. He's very much involved with, um, there's another organization called the the World Jewish Restitution Organization. I mean, it's, incre John? it's incredible how many, how many organizations are operating on a global is, scale, shaking down all of these various Western governments. Yeah, go ahead. Is, is that guy is that guy Eisenstadt or whatever his name is is he in addition to Deborah Lipstadt because she has some big role about yeah. the Holocaust so how many people do they have that are you know dealing with this Holocaust in the United States administration this is amazing oh I know <laughs> it's it's incredible I mean he's you know this, this Eisenstadt guy is is like a special advisor uh, Deborah Lipstadt is the she she has an ambassador level position. She's a special envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism. Um, so she's basically like the, the ambassador for combating anti-Semitism. There's another um, special envoy for Holocaust issues within the State Department. So, I mean, there's like multiple very high-profile, high-paying, no doubt, jobs at the federal level dealing with the Holocaust and extorting various governments and private corporations and suing you know, some of these like big art museums that have some of the, these quote unquote looted works of art and stuff like that. So it's just, I mean, it's just one big, like openly like brazen extortion racket that is just At, absolutely yeah. infuriating to see. 
I'll just add one more thing and then I don't want to dominate here, but um, it, then there are still people who will say to me or to you, I'm sure, ah, oh, why are you talking about the Holocaust? It's so irrelevant now. It's so long ago. <laughs> Right. You know. Oh my gosh, I know exactly. Well, and that that was like a topic I wanted to get into too is like how central this fake story still is today. Gosh, we're approaching what almost 80 years after World War II. Um I I we've both said a lot. Uh, Ka- Kathleen, what is your take on like the situation in Palestine and this alleged surprise attack? Do you have any anything to add or do you have any particular, you know, view of it? Well, I, I certainly concur with what both Monica and you are saying. You know, this the idea that Hamas, um, you know, attacked um, Israel is is just the biggest lie. I mean, Israel has one of the most sophisticated defense systems in the world, and they broke into Israel. We know who's you know who owns whom, and Hamas is is Israel. And um, and so this false flag, what has it distracted us away from? I mean, how many people are aware of the Acapulco uh, catastrophe, the murders there, the weaponry attack in Acapulco this week? You know, it was not put onto mainstream media at all. Um, you know, another land grab, another murdering of, of poor people to disenfranchise them off the land. You know, I mean. These kinds of lies um, continue. I, I, this last week, I've been reading, rereading *The Myth of German Villainy* by Benton Bradbury, and everything in their playbook that the Jews have used, uh, I see today. And and uh, Nesta Webster is quoted in here, and she says, shortly before before World War II began, and she said, she said Germany was under a visible anti-Jewish dictatorship. And she said, we are under an invisible Jewish dictatorship, but a dictatorship that can be felt in every sphere of life, for no one can escape from it. And as, unquote, and as we know, when you control the media, you control politics, you control education, you control the central banking, you, can, you control every faction, you control law, um, the legal system, you, you have a juggernaut on the information that comes out. And those same lies that were perpetrated to bring about the destruction of Germany um, in World War I and then the final uh, attack of World War II, um, promoted by the Bolsheviks, promoted by Winston Churchill, promoted by um, you know, those who were in power, who were controlled by the central bankers, well, what do you expect? And so today we're seeing the same playbook and we're seeing the same destruction. And I think what for me is is the most um, clarifying is that um, as we as we expose the fact that they continue to use the same playbook, that that is where we uh, can gain some power. And otherwise, I don't know what this is for other than um, becoming educated about um, evil. So I think that by continuing to expose them uh, at their Achilles heel, and that is that um, they have nothing new, but they just have heinous um, aggressions uh, against humanity. But as we continue to expose it, 
um, that gives us our power. Right. Yeah. Well said. And you know, it, it's amazing. I mean, literally, they like somehow, some way, they some they somehow always tie everything back to the Holocaust. They tie it back to anti-Semitism. They tie it back to white supremacy. They just like double and triple down on all of these these narratives that advance their interests while preventing us from even having a legitimate, honest, rational conversation about what's taking place. And this is a prime example. I mean, I was actually going to read just briefly from this piece about um, this Eisenstadt, uh, you know, guy basically talking about how there's new momentum for Holocaust restitution. I mean, never. what about the Palestinians? I mean, there's been like at least 8,000 that have been murdered since this, um, you know, new conflict, I guess. It's sort of like one long-running conflict with this re- recent flare-up since this alleged Hamas surprise attack. I mean, there have been thousands of people that have been killed in Gaza, in the West Bank, um, e- even in like, I mean, they were like bombing Syria and other, other countries in the Middle East. What about their restitution? I mean, it's incredible how everything is like always focused on the Jews. And this article and like some of the quotes in this article just reveal their mindset. Everything is about them. It's all about their fake narrative, their fake Holocaust story and what they can do to advance that, to continue to instill it in the minds of the masses in America and in the wider Western world and to continue to extort various governments and just create this not only like a financial racket, but like a, a sympathy racket where like you're the, the Jews are the only people you're allowed to even be concerned about when anything happens. I mean, it's absolutely incredible that like the gaslighting and like the mind control tactics on display here. Let me just read briefly from this uh, article. It says here, Hamas's massacre, uh, I'm sorry, Hamas's massacres on October 7th delivered new momentum to the effort to deliver restitution to the descendants of Holocaust survivors and victims whose property was stolen, Stuart Eisenstadt, the State Department's Special Advisor on Holocaust Issues, said Thursday at a meeting with reporters for Jewish publications, quote, there's a new momentum behind Holocaust remembrance, Holocaust restitution, and Holocaust lessons, he said, and those who say, you know, it's just a thing of the past, we're reminded by what's happened in the last few weeks that that's not the case. Hamas's invasion of Israel on October 7th killed 1,400 people, most of them civilians, which, frankly, I'm just going to interject. I have a, I don't, I don't trust those numbers at all, um, but that's what the official narrative is, that 14, 1,400 people were killed, most of them civilians. It also wounded thousands, uh, thousands more and abducted more than 200 in the single deadliest day for Jews since the Holocaust. Thursday's press conference featured Eisenstadt, Ellen Germain, the department's special envoy for Holocaust issues, and Mark Wietzman, the CEO, the COO of the Jewish of the World Jewish Restitution Organization. They spoke the day after a meeting convened by the State Department and the WJRO, including representatives of 14 countries seeking to advance restitution to descendants of Holocaust survivors and victims. So think about this. I mean, literally, Gaza is being genocided, and these like global Jewish plutocrats are in D.C. with representatives from 14 other countries, not to mention all these like international Jewish organizations, plotting ways to get more money for this fake story. I mean, it's absolutely 
infuriating that this yeah. that that we we allow this to go on and and not only allow it but we're too afraid to even talk about it openly meanwhile it's being reported in the Jewish Telegraph agency yeah it's it's i mean th- there was one sentence of the article where you were reading that i had to laugh out loud except that it's so deadly serious but it the way they tie this all together always to their story is just so ludicrous that it it oh, I don't even remember this this specific sentence that made me laugh out loud because it's just so typical of their rhetoric, but it is of course deadly serious and this is the what they've been holding the whole world ransom to is this false story forevermore and you know I, just a, a little side note, John, you were saying earlier that they they always tie everything to the Holocaust. It's like it it just gets brought up everywhere. Well, even Kathleen's whole trial, like last November 15th and 16th, um, I attended that via Zoom. It was a virtual, you know, trial taking place. So people were able to attend it. And so my face was showing up, my face and name on the screen there. And guess what? They, even though this trial had nothing to do with history or World War II or Holocaust, they managed to tie even that. Like they smeared Kathleen by association with me being present in the in the room there with the Holocaust. <laughs> I mean, it's it's oh, you can't hilarious. escape it. You can't escape it. Yeah. But but well, you know, it, to add to that, Monica. In fact, it is relevant to the past. It, and, and they exposed that very nugget because um, my case is the micro of the macro and everything is interconnected. And they have exposed that they are concerned about the Holocaust in absolutely every arena. And if you and if you look at just how they do it, I mean, most people don't quite comprehend what the level of lying truly means. And in this book, um, Political Ponderology by Andrew Lobetsuski, I, I probably bastardized his name, but it, he's writing about the science on the nature of evil adjusted for political purposes. And so he's exposing all the um, psychopaths who are um, occupying all these positions throughout history and today. And the fact that they use a very simple tool they use the lie. And so when you put someone in a position and all they have to do is lie, all we have to counter that lie is to say, uh, that's a lie. That, that's, that's the strength of our response. And people will listen to that lie, they'll take it in, and it becomes the first thing that hits their, their, their psyche. And, and a counter saying, that's a lie, it doesn't have the impact of the exaggeration of the horrors that usually these lies incorporate. So if you really think about the power of the lie and and that that's the, the basis upon which they have presented and continue to present their storyline, you go, wow, you know, <laughs> how, how do we take down the lie? That, that's kind of where the where it seems like the seed must must germinate. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, and I think that they've been so effective. I mean, the Jews are like the masters of, of the art of lying. I mean, that's, you know, there's there there have been many very famous and important people throughout history that have basically that that's how they've characterized the Jews. They they're just expert liars. You know, they're they're masters at it. Um, and and in the way they can get up there and tell like the biggest, boldest, most absurd and ridiculous lies about any number of subjects, but especially when it comes to like these atrocity stories, whether it's, you know, relating to the Holocaust or even before the Holocaust, you know, going back to the late 1800s, early 1900s, with a lot of the claims that they were making about the, the, the pogroms in Russia and in Ukraine and in Poland and in other parts of Europe. I mean, it, it's just been like, it, it's the same thing. It's like literally the same exact things they've been saying. And I mean, uh, Monica, you had mentioned um, this other article I sent you guys before we started the podcast. This, uh, the, again, coming from the Jewish Telegraph Agency. This is an Israeli first responder. Um, rec- okay, so the, the headline is, an Israeli first responder recalls tending to the body of a baby burnt in an oven. It You know, after this alleged Hamas surprise attack. Now, they were claiming, like, in the days immediately after this alleged surprise attack, that babies were beheaded. There were, there, there were claims of 40, at least 40 beheaded babies. Um, innocent men and women being murdered, women being brutally raped and like paraded through the streets. Who, who believes it? I mean, it's just incredible to me that anybody would just take this at face value. And yet, like I turn, I tune into some of like the more conservative, like kind of mainstream, um, like, you know, conservative talk radio, like Dan Bongino, for example, he's a guy that I listen to every once in a while and kind of just to see like what they're saying about this. And I mean, there's not one of these ridiculous stories that this guy does not believe and accept at face value. I mean, he oh, literally goodness he literally played this guy's testimony, this Israeli first responder, who all I mean, and if you listen to it, all he's saying is that he heard from somebody else that they found a dead baby in a in an oven, burnt alive. Wow. He didn't even see it himself. He's He's relaying a message from somebody else. So it's like two or three times removed. I mean, it's just, it's so ridiculous. And, and we're just supposed to accept this at face value. This guy's fly. He flew to the Republican Jewish uh, coalition uh, recent conference. And they basically have a stranglehold over Republican politics in the United States. He, you know, he flew out to this big uh, conference that they had where Trump spoke, Nikki Haley spoke, all the big Republican candidates and, and you know, big wigs spoke. Um, and, and he's up there talking about this baby burnt in an oven. Meanwhile, that's amazing. Totally it unverified. Like... It's just, it's like this. It's literally the same exact crap that we hear about the Holocaust. Exactly. I was just going to say, like, there those eyewitnesses, the so-called eyewitnesses. I'm telling you, their testimony got shredded during those trials in Toronto in the 19, well, in 1985 specifically, when they did have eyewitnesses on the stand. And through the very skillful questioning, cross-examination of Doug Christie, the lawyer for Ernst Zundel, their testimony was shredded apart. They, these, some of these eyewitnesses, first of all, they were children during the, the so-called Holocaust. And in the end, they just had to say one of them, and I remember his words were reported exactly something to the effect of, well, yeah, if I, I, I listened to the stories of, 
others. But if I, if you were there at the time and I was listening to what you were saying, then I would have believed you. But I was listening to what those others said. I don't remember exactly. I don't have it in front of me, but something to that effect. So these eyewitnesses that people always pull out and it seems like their biggest uh, source of evidence, their biggest, yeah, is, is eyewitness reports. Well, these reports are nothing but rumor and you know, and, the and, it's, and it's hearsay. Yeah. It's all hearsay. Yeah. Exactly. So I heard this from somebody and they told me this. Yeah. It, uh, none of it, of course, is verified or really investigated, let alone even critically scrutinized. It's just taken at face value. It's, I mean, well, it's just, it's insulting smoke, anymore. Smoke that's different colors and that could, you could identify the, the Polish Jews from the Hungarian Jews, from the skinny Jews, the fat Jews by the color of the smoke coming out of the chimneys. I mean, literally, I'm not making this stuff up. This is what the That's what they were claiming. That's what they were claiming. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, and, and also, I mean, the Germans were accused of um, uh, um, bayoneting the babies, right? Um, and, and um yeah, you know, all of that. Of that course, that was, was a claim that went back to World War One. Even they were saying a, that. Yeah. Yes, and so they, you know, if if we don't hold them accountable for all their lies, then um, then they just will continue again with their 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 playbook of of even grosser lies. So you know, the fact that you've got your channel and and continue to get the truth out, John, is is so crucial. But again. You know, these these parasites run the mainstream media and most of the people are listening to that. And the influence and the impact is just way too powerful. We 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 just have to continue to counter their narrative at every op opportunity. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine just blindly accepting what any of these people claim. I mean, it's to me, it's I mean, of course, once you see through it, you see through it and you, you know, you start questioning everything. But it's just like on the face of it, it's just like absurd, and the way the media like just can spin everything, it's 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 very deceptive. It's very exploitative. And and Monica, we've talked about this. Like all of these all of these stories, all of these images that we see, and many of them fabricated, or many of them totally taken out of context. Um, you know, the the Hollywood films involved with promoting the Holocaust. It's all extremely psychologically exploitative and emotionally exploitative and they're masters at this they have this down to a science and you know the masses simply just <laughs> can't deal with it for whatever reason um and it's and it's 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 sad it's sad that we can continue to allow these brazen shameless liars to get up and tell these absurd stories go to our nation's capital, like go to Washington, D.C. and sit in the White House and demand even more money after we've literally given them billions of dollars a hundred times over at this point. I mean, they're still demanding reparations for the Holocaust and restitution for the Holocaust and portraying themselves as victims as they're genociding the Palestinians. It is absolutely yeah. outrageous. And and it's not now it's the descendants, right? The descendants are getting the restitution and the money. But you know, I, I often think about this. Why is it that after World War One, they the Jews, the media, they admitted that these atrocity stories were just wartime propaganda lies. But after World War Two it went exactly the opposite. They ramped it up. They ramped up the lies. 
you know, do, do you ever think about that? Like, what? Why the the difference? Is it because they just? I, I guess it's because they have a greater stranglehold on us, and they're ramping it up because they, you know they're going for full full blown control. I don't know. Like after World War yeah, One, I, they think did so, admit, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think so. I think they had a, a much firmer control, and also, um, I mean, they totally won. I mean, they they defeated the last legitimate government standing up to their whole you know worldwide agenda, and they had a total monopoly monopoly on information. I mean, the Nuremberg trials, you know, they basically set the set set the record according to like the official narrative, anyways, of, of what took place during World War II. And they were able to institutionalize it across the world, really. I mean, I don't know of any government that challenged the official narrative of World War II. Like that, that, like that came out of Nuremberg, I mean. Yeah, this point that I just made, the comparison between how they dealt with this, the lies of World War I and how they dealt with the lies of World War II, the difference being that they're ramped it up after World War II and after World War I, they admitted it to be lies. I think even just that, if we talk to people who have not yet opened their eyes fully and just explain that to them. I mean, I, I keep on wondering, how do we reach people? How do we reach people? I'm obsessed by this, you know, reaching more people and not just uh, singing to the choir and preaching to the converted because this is our mission in life, is it not? Like we need to reach more people. We need to wake up our people. So there's a one more thing that we can present to them is the fact that after a lot of other wars, not just after World War One, the lies are admitted to be lies. Like like the Kuwait war, wasn't that one, you know, throwing babies out of incubators and then afterwards, well, that was admitted to be lies, right? So this is how we have to present it about the World War Two lies. Why did they not admit these atrocity propaganda lies to be lies? They ramped it up instead. So it's another tool, I guess, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a th- th- that's a good point. Something I certainly try to try to talk to people about. I mean, my main my main strategy when I talk to anybody about the Holocaust is like, how do you even like? What do you even know? First off, what do you even know, or what do you think you know about the Holocaust? And secondly, how do you know it? <laughs> and like everybody that I talk to is like, well, I mean, I saw like Schindler's List, or like you know they saw some they saw some movie about it or they heard some like Holocaust survivor at their school when they were a kid or something. Most people don't even know the first thing about it. They're just so inundated with all of this emotional Hollywood propaganda, basically. You know, I was, I was um, listening to what you two were saying and, and, and I, I think what they're trying to do by admitting then to the, to, to these distortions is they're trying to normalize in our own psyches the whole process of lying that 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 this is it, it it's normal to lie and it's going to continue and we'll admit to it and we'll just you know lie again and um wh- what do you think i mean if you normalize aggression if you normalize all these base behaviors uh if you normalize uh, you know killing and pedophilia and all, all this stuff i mean doesn't that just kind of numb us out a little bit more so that when the next attack happens, we are even less capable of responding with outrage. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely something to that for sure. I mean, look at the way, like, I mean, look at like mainstream, like television today. I mean, it's like absolutely 
degenerate and disgusting and it's all about sex and gay stuff and tranny stuff. I mean, it wasn't like that even 20 years ago. You know, so it's like a, a slow and steady process. They just keep pushing the envelope and keep sort of debauching and degrading society, whether it's with the sexual stuff or with the tranny stuff or with, you know, just as you said, like just being, you know, you know being dishonest, being, you know, a scumbag, like elevating that sort of behavior, promoting that sort of behavior. Yeah, it's 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 all part of the strategy. And that, I mean, that's like literally straight from the protocols. Yes. So anyways, there was a couple, uh, maybe like one or one other story I want to mention here, and then we can um, kind of move on and, and sort of move on to kind of wrap up the conversation. But one, I thought this was a pretty positive story, um, showing that more and more people are, are skeptical about America's support for Israel and getting involved in yet another war in the Middle East. And this, again, comes from the Jewish Telegraph Agency. Uh, I'll just read the, the very first sentence here. It says, younger voters are less likely to back Israel. Support among Democrats for Israel's conduct has declined, and Americans overall are wary of being drawn into another Middle East war. And the article is all about like a, a series of polls um, over the course of the past week or so. Well, really, since this this conflict sort of erupted once again, um, and, and and there's more and more people skeptical of our policy in the Middle East, skeptical of sending more money and more support to Israel. People are getting sick and tired of these never-ending wars and sticking our nose, you know, thousands of miles away from our own borders where, you know, we really have no legitimate interests. I don't know if you guys saw that poll, if we had any comments, but I mean, I think even like average people, like I, I talk, you know, I run in and talk to a lot of average people and yeah, people are, are sick and tired of these endless wars and just sending billions of dollars overseas. I mean, this whole Ukraine situation, this has been going on for almost two years now, you know, and it's like, wait, do we, don't we have a country? Don't we have, you know, American citizens that we need to take care of? Like, why are we continuing to send money to Israel, to Ukraine, to all these other countries? We need to take care of our own people. And I, you know, it's, it's like, how much, how much longer can they perpetuate this, this scam? It's ridiculous. I have May a comment, but Monica, why don't you go for no, it first? Oh, well, no, I just saw that you were unmuted, so I was waiting for you to talk. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, and isn't it interesting how since this past month, I guess almost a month since the, the false flag Hamas uh, attack on the on Israel there, um, we haven't heard that much in the mainstream about the Ukraine anymore, have we? It, it suddenly has disappeared, and people's consciousness is just completely diverted elsewhere. Meanwhile, what's going on on the southern borders is just an open floodgate, so this other type of army is just flooding into the United States and into all all white countries, you, know, you could say. I mean, we've got our own flood gates that have opened to foreign elements, foreign foreigners that, that really don't belong here, and same in Europe. So that's kind of just going on all, all the while. And you're right, John. I mean, people are actually getting pretty fed up with it. Now, is there a paralysis or is there, uh, you know, are people going to, I don't know how this is going to go, but go ahead, Kathleen. Why don't you make a comment? Well, it, it, it's 
my my thought in listening to both of you is that people are being quote sick and tired and and they don't want to stick their nose in, in in these places and where there are no legitimate interests but the fact of the matter is that's not the point the point is um in 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 the Gaza strip in Palestine these people are being murdered and and we should be outraged everyone should be outraged everyone should be so sick and tired of what the israelis are doing uh to perpetuate these this murder uh and 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 that's really what really needs to be spoken about and not that this is endless tire, tiresome wars and and so that would be my main my main point of all of this and even in the ukraine i think that's an interesting point monica of what you say we haven't heard boo uh ever since the hamas uh, supposedly uh tricked the israelis and managed to break through their surveillance um networks right what do you think yeah no that that's a that's a good point and i think i mean one thing that i have really been trying to emphasize in any of the like the articles that i've written about this subject or even even with ukraine for that matter is all of this madness that we see it well in Ukraine for example or even in in Israel and in and in Palestine it's all basically a direct result of US policy cuz we're the ones providing the financial assistance we're the ones providing the military hardware we're the ones providing the diplomatic and political cover for this situation to continue to to continue and to perpetuate and to escalate so it's it's really a matter of us just throwing fuel on the fire and that absolutely needs to be pointed out i mean we could shut this down tomorrow if we you know if we had a legitimate leader that would get up there and you know start start speaking the truth for once and saying look no we're done being you know the the, the zionist you know attack dog basically for you know for the for this jewish state of israel and we're done providing unlimited and unwavering diplomatic and financial support for all these wars all over the world this is absurd yeah and with that i would just add and i think that most of your listeners know this that who is actually in positions of power and influence in the united states is the jews so really we should be just pointing out that okay so the united states is responsible for all this but who is it that's running the united states and this is where we the people absolutely have to somehow rise up i guess the first step is to be aware of this jewish control in our governments and the same thing is going on in canada and european countries i mean it it's the jews who are in positions of power and influence and this is what adolf hitler sought to get rid of jewish power and influence in government in media in universities uh get rid of the secret societies the masonic lodges all those things that's what he did and then ultimately get them out of banking in germany and that's why he is so demonized to this very day you know that he continues yep. to be demonized in the press to be the most evil man that ever walked the face of this earth is because that is what he did so this is what we need to replicate is get rid of the jews out of positions of influence and power full stop yes 100% yeah no that's 
Look, I mean, it's the most important issue facing the world. <laughs> and it's the one issue you're just not allowed to talk about in polite society. Um, and until we do and until we can, we're going to be stuck in the same mess that we find ourselves in. Well, you know, I mean, and it is very true. And, you know, I, I look back at, uh, as I'm reading this book on the myth of German villainy, of just how powerful and powerfully effective Adolf Hitler was between World War I and the onset of World War II, and not only rebuilding the German society, but also um, removing the Jews from Germany, who had been allowed to infiltrate and had been allowed to get into incredible positions of power, as they had throughout the world. But then, because they declared a holy war against Germany, he had no other, op op uh, no other option but to basically remove them from Germany um, once he was reclaiming all of his, you know, his, the land that had been taken away through the Treaty of Versailles. And so we have, you know, we saw uh, someone with tremendous power he's be really taken down by those of influence who were still tremendously controlling the mainstream media across the world. And so today, how do, how do we do that? I guess I po pose that to the two of you. It's worse today. We have, um, we have you know, greater overthrow of our governments. Uh, all our court systems are communist. All of our governments are communist. What steps do we actually take to be able to shift out of this communist um, uh, overthrow? Well, that is the million-dollar question. I don't have a good answer to it. I mean, I like, um, I like, for example, like the National Justice Party. I like what they're what they're doing, what they're trying to do. Um, that that's probably like the only political movement that I've seen. Well, at least in America, that's actually organizing on on a lot of these principles and and, and is not afraid to address these critical topics about Jewish power and and just racial issues and things of this nature. Um, aside from that, I mean, I don't really have much faith or hope in mainstream politics, although I still think it's important to be involved and to be aware of what's going on. I mean, I kind of, I, I've been kind of set and like just trying to do what I can as an individual. I mean, I know that sounds very sort of cliche, I guess, but, you know, trying to just be a good representative of, of these issues and, and be able to talk to people effectively about them and, and try to just win people over just through your actions, through your mindset, through your, you know, just through basic conversations. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's no easy answer to that question for sure. Um, I have a lot of faith and trust in God that things are working out um, according to his plan. And, and sometimes that means, you know, we have to suffer for, the things that have happened in the past and this, and even the mistakes that we've made, you know, in our own personal lives. So I don't know if Monica has a, maybe a little bit better answer to that question, but that's, that's a, that's a very a, a tough question to address, but that's, I guess that would be my, my best answer to it. Yeah. John, excellent points. Excellent answer. I think that all of us, everybody, everybody listening, just, we need to do what we can as individuals. You're absolutely right, John. I mean, it don't wait for an organization that you can join. It, 
I mean, there might be organizations that you can join, but don't wait for that. Be doing what you can do. And it, it could take different forms for different folks. We can't prescribe what you can do because that would be taking away your ability to think for yourself to what you can do. I mean, there's many, many ideas of what you can do, but just, I mean, one of the our enemies most powerful weapons against us has been through the use of psychological warfare. So that means that just by virtue of the fact that we can talk, speak the truth, share truth, share facts, and this is a powerful weapon against them. Another one is that they want us in a perpetual state of fear. So we have to understand that and do understand that there are millions of us and there are many 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 people good people working on this epic struggle working on the good side I'm, I'm I would like to clarify so they like us to think that we are isolated that we are just a few nutcases and just a bunch of weirdos no we are many and yeah we we need to counter their psychological warfare tactics with this kind of um, talk and, and action that we are many and shed your fear and just keep on standing. Like they want to knock us down with what I just said, fear and, and lies and deception. Well, we can stand tall and proud and, and not be afraid to speak the truth. Like don't listen to this nonsense of, oh, well, we should learn what we are allowed to say or what we're not allowed to say so that we, you know, we can abide by those rules. Are you kidding me? <laughs> if they tell us not to say something, we say it even louder. I mean, you know, I'm talking about if, if they're telling us not to speak about certain, you know, historical events or whatever. No, we speak it even louder. So that's my take on it. And then you go around living life with joy and do that every day, you know, every day that we're still living life with joy and laughter and music and poetry or whatever it is that gives us joy, walking in nature or just, you know, working out, whatever, every day that we do that, we're winning. So there you go. That's, that's yeah. my two cents. <laughs> no, that's, that's very well said. I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Well, and it, we're, we're going to kind of wrap up here in just a moment, but that kind of, I mean, all, all of what you said kind of addresses one of the main topics, Kathleen, you had actually proposed, you know, talking about like the, the allopathic medical system that we're born into, you know, this like totally weaponized food system that we're sort of born into and just sort of recognizing all these things and dealing, dealing with them rationally and having, having the, 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 well, not only like the knowledge, like the, the, the courage, the bravery to confront these issues intellectually and learn about them and educate yourself, but then taking steps in your own personal life to break free of this system because it is i mean it is like a, a beast like jewish system basically that i think all of us have been born into for a, a couple generations at this point probably even longer than that and once you kind of see through it and recognize it it's like okay how can i disengage and and not you know like basically live the life that i want to live and there's ways to do it it's not easy but i think that there are ways to do it i mean Kathleen, we had talked about like, you know, a lot of your, your views on like the mainstream medical system and, the, and these sorts of things. And I mean, I haven't had health insurance for years. I don't want anything to do with this system. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you can do it. It's just 
takes a little initiative. It takes a little, I guess, courage and determination and bravery. But, you know, that, that, that we're given this life and we got to make the most of it. And you got to stand up for what you believe in. And, and that's certainly, that, that's, that's definitely my point of view and has really always been my point of view. But it's even more and more, um, I'm even more and more like convinced of that, like with each passing day, you know what I mean? Well, I, I do. And, you know, all of this takes an empowerment, right? Whether it's standing up and revealing the lies about World War II and World War One and the Bolshevik Revolution and, and, and the Ukraine and, you know, the, the Hamas attack and, and Israelis attack against, against the Palestinians. I mean, it, it all takes an empowerment, a sense of empowerment and and, you know, when we stand up and do speak out about that, we have to be able to conquer the, the level of fear. And it's the same in the medical system. We have been taught to, to disenfranchise ourselves, to, to, to take that expert who doesn't know who we are, doesn't know our body, and to put our trust into that expert's hands to heal us completely. Um, diverting away from the fact that our body knows how to heal itself. And so when we begin that journey and realize that we, we incorporate, we, we have all of that ability within our own self, then that's really true empowerment. So when we are sovereignly uh, empower on the health side of our lives and also in not consenting to this extraneous external uh, attack, then then we can truly live, as you say, Monica, Monica beautifully um, summarized of how do we live a good, joyful, um, a fearless life, and 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 that it's incumbent upon us to do just that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, I mean, first off, you, you have to, you have to educate yourself. You have to think critically. First, you have to learn how to actually use your brain correctly <laughs> learn how to critically think, you know, evaluate information, you know, consult different sources, process information, not allow yourself to be exploited by <laughs> these liars, basically controlling the media and controlling our government. You know, you have to be able to, to think independently and think critically. And then you have to have the courage and the determination to use that information to make changes and make decisions in your own life independently, I think. Yeah, just like an example, like since we're talking about the medical system and all that, so much of what we have learned from when we were little children about disease and how our body responds to stuff it, it's actually all been turned on its head so sometimes the the symptoms of what we experience when our bodies are getting rid of let's say a toxic overload or dealing with some kind of a lack of of something that we're needing some uh, too too often those very symptoms that our body exhibits in dealing with those stressors are called the problem itself so that's turned on its head, right? I'm I'm just taking a basic summary. I mean, just even you know, something, you know, symptoms of a, the cold or the flu. Oh, the, you know, we've been taught, oh, you got to bring down your fever. You got to do this. You got to do that. 
but it's just dealing with the symptoms that our body exhibits when our body is actually healing from a, a stress. So that's just a summary. And I mean, the same thing with cancer, that the whole cancer industry, which, you know, I will call it an industry because, oh, how many doctors have been murdered and taken out of commission when they have tried to deal with cancer differently from what the medical system tells them how to deal with it. They've been taken out. They've been murdered because they saw through this industry and saw through it to to want to deal with it their patients differently, but they were taken out. So there's just two examples, you know. Anyway, that's my comments about that. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, Kathleen, I don't know, did, did you have anything you wanted to add to, to what Monica said? Well, just uh, underline your points, Monica, because, you know, anytime anyone stands up to be effective and independent and, 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 um, and not be a party to uh, paying for all this um, warfare against humanity, they're taken out. I mean, that's the attempt. They're silenced uh, through intimidation, through, you know, being delicensed, what, whatever it is. And so today, you know, we have, we have the responsibility to become educated so that we, um, so that we can take action that is actually in our behalf, on our behalf, rather than uh, benefiting the very machine that is attempting to annihilate us. Yeah, on a note of hope, because, you know, we don't want to leave people just so down, okay, if you stand up, you get taken out. Because, <laughs> you know, my <laughs> story about the, all the doctors that got murdered when they tried to stand up to the system of, in de dealing with how to deal with cancer and whatnot. But, you know... We can thank COVID for having changed the 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 par it's a paradigm shift. That's the word I'm looking for. There's been a paradigm shift in our whole psyche in general, thanks to COVID. Thank you, COVID, <laughs> because people are, I think, on a massive scale, have started to look at this and say, "Wait a minute, something's wrong with our." system and how they've been teaching us about all these things there are just i think there's billions of people waking up to that they've been lying to us about how how everything works how our bodies work how you know everything the whole the whole system so there you go that's my maybe that's my summarizing statement at the end <laughs> yeah no that's good and and no, that's good, and, and I agree. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to leave on a on a down note either. N not that not that we were necessarily, but I mean, people should feel empowered. I mean, if you're if you're li I mean, if anybody if you're out there listening to this, I mean, you clearly have a lot of agency. You clearly can think for yourself. I mean, this is your life. Don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe in, and and, and you know, obviously, you should be smart about how you do that. But you do not have to go along with anything you don't want to do. I mean, whether, whether it's the vaccine or, or whatever the case is, you know, we all have agency. We, th this is our life. This is our body. This is our mind. You know, take advantage of it and, and stand up for what you believe in. And I, I, I mean, I think that's one of the most potent statements that you could make, because if we don't stand up for what we believe in, then what is life about? And you know we've been we've been dumbed down. We they've attempted to dumb us down. They've attempted to to silence us. 
but we keep rising up out of the ashes. You know, they, there's a saying, um, you know, they tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. And I, I mean, what a lovely concept if you think about that, because we, we can't, we can't be extinguished. We, we are life itself and our bodies have evolved over millions of years, millions and millions of, of years, hundreds of thousands of millions of years, and, and, and we will continue to. And the reason that we have evolved as we have is because this organism is just that brilliant. It, it's, it, it has the capacity to heal. It has the capacity to breathe. Without thought, we breathe. You know, I mean, how more magnificent can that be? You know, that's our body. That's where we live. And so becoming empowered uh, about knowing how our body heals and to allow that to happen, um, it, it's, a, it's a fabulously freeing uh, experience. Yes, it is. Well, ladies, thank you so much. I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up on that note. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. This was a great conversation, as I knew it would be. And you both keep up the great work and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you, John. It was such a pleasure to talk with you and Kathleen. This was just a real stimulating time. Thank you. Oh, well, and thank you both. As, as, it was delightful. Have a oh. lovely weekend. Okay, great. Thanks, ladies. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.